0: BYU's buying a mountain? Buying Provo High? Got a Fox helicopter. Who says money's an issue here? Come on, baby. Maybe not.
1: Maybe you're lucky enough to just sit there and watch sports. Can I have your life? Yeah, I didn't know what we were doing on that one. (laughs) This chocolate milk's for you, BYU BYU Sports Nation.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off... Here's the double coverage interview of the week. We welcome
1: in now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline, Hans Olsen, former BYU defensive tackle and current co-host of Hans and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network based in Salt Lake City. Hans, it's always a wonderful day when you are on BYU Sports Nation. How are you?
3: Gentlemen, it's nice to be back with you. And really quickly, I want to pull back the curtain for all the BYU fans out there and let them know that Ben Bagley, who does an amazing job behind the scenes, tried to do this as a Zoom call, made the decision that I was too ugly, and said we're going to a phoner instead. So probably
0: the right decision. This is a TV show. We got to keep the viewers in mind. Hands. I don't. Ag- I don't agree with it. I don't agree with that. Oh,
1: Hans, you have a beautiful spirit, though, right? Yeah,
0: I do,
3: and good skin. And I I actually, I I really like my nose. I've always had a nice, pointy,
0: kind of sharp-looking nose, but that's where we stop. That's where it ends. That that surgery worked really effectively. That was crazy. So here we are three weeks out from BYU and Navy. Uh, It's wild to think that we got to this point where in three weeks we're expecting a college football game here.
3: Oh, man. I'm so excited. Sorry to keep laughing, but I'm so excited. It's like... uh, It's like Christmas Eve that's going to go on for three weeks. Because, guys, I wasn't sure if this was going to happen. You know, as we see the Big Ten and Pac-12 pull up anchor and sell, I thought, oh, man, this is going to get real sketchy. And now we're seeing guys kind of hold their guns. And it feels like the AAC, as much as anybody, is going to hold to their guns. So fingers crossed that we see a kickoff on the 7th. But I believe we will.
1: Hence, how many games do you expect BYU to actually play this season?
3: I think we're going to get to eight. And I've had multiple conversations with a lot of different uh, personnel there at BYU. And they feel confident that Tom Homo can get to eight. Uh, they they feel like he can pick up as many games as necessary. And so I would say at a minimum, eight. I, I I would hope that they could find a way to get to 12 if it was at all possible. But, you know, where you've got the Conference USA and and you've got the AAC and you've got still three power five leagues uh, and you've got, you know, one or two other conferences that you can work with, I, I think you should be able to put eight games together.
0: Yeah, I'd be surprised uh, if BYU didn't get to at least eight, if not ten, because scheduling yeah. is one thing, playing is another. I, I expect a couple of cancellations during the season where a team has a uh, St. Louis Cardinals-Miami Marlins situation. Do you expect that to happen? Hard to know, but I'm guessing that it will.
3: Yeah, it really could, and, and you know it could happen at any given moment, but you have to take that into consideration, and I, I would hope that you'd, through this kind of rescheduling process that you might have an extra two weeks and you could say, Hey, we got to postpone this or hold it off. We'll play it at the back end of the season. It it feels like there's going to be so much, um, I, I would say, I don't want to say uh, knee-jerk but or spur of the moment, but there's there's going to be uh, just a, a lot of creativity along the way and allowable creativity. And BYU might have to, have to get creative with how they go about some of these cancellations, if they do have them.
1: Former BYU football defensive standout, he is a radio host in Salt Lake City, Hans Olsen with us on BYU Sports Nation. Hans, I know you've had strong opinions on Who should have the biggest say when and if it comes to college football being played in 2020? So where do you stand on that spectrum? Is it the players? Is it the parents? Is it the coaches, the administrators, the medical personnel or the experts, as they say? Who should have the biggest say?
3: Well, I think you lean heavily on the medical personnel. I I think you have to get their advice, and I think you need to get their clearance before you proceed. And And it feels like BYU has received that otherwise I don't think we'd see them in camp and see them getting ready. So I think from the personnel they listen to, they've gotten that clearance. The the thing that we're really struggling with right now, guys, is, is any type of continuity or any type of shared message amongst the masses of medical personnel out there. It feels like they can't get on the same page and that's frustrating. And at that point you're like, you know what, I need to at that point you're like, I, I need to back away from this and And maybe I I need to find somebody else to listen to. When they can't get on the same page, it it makes it really difficult. But um, I I do think that you need to lean on their advice as much as
0: you can. I would love to see them talk publicly together about this. Because why is it that one league or two leagues is saying, no, can't do it. But then the other three leagues, uh, medical officers saying, yes, obviously there are certain agendas uh, involved with that. And some don't want to do it and some do, and that's totally fine. But I would love to for them to share information and for that to be public information. Because if the NFL can play and six of the ten leagues can play, I'm not sure why the other four couldn't unless they just don't want to. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's, that's the unbelievable thing. And, and we know what they all stand to, or, or, or stand to lose or, or risking in this whole thing. And you would think that they would want to get together in some type of um council or or some type of back and forth where the the ones that are are deciding to cancel or don't feel like it's safe enough to proceed, why they feel that way and why the others that are proceeding have come to that decision that they feel like it's safe to move forward it It feels like that not only should they Jim it feels like they absolutely need to, or they should be put together in a room and figure this out. Like I, I want them to all come to some type of agreement. I know that's difficult, but some, there's gotta be some type of larger governing governing body. And that's why it always comes back to leadership. You know, guys, it's like there is a governing body that really could have put a medical staff together and, and could have done a better job of at least managing the power fives and groups of fives and trying to come to some type of, um, you know, singular voice that helps these conferences all come together in a singular cause and singular movement. But we didn't have that. So it, it all kind of fell apart and it's all on their own.
1: Hans Olson on BYU Sports Nation. Hans, I want to go back to something that happened within the state of Utah over this last weekend, and uh, it is a first in the country. That is high school football pushing forward all over the Beehive State. I know you have uh, a big interest in that, and we're around it. What did you see from high school football leading the way kind of into this unknown let's play football amidst COVID-19?
3: It's been fantastic. Spencer it's been it's been amazing and you go back to Thursday on that original kickoff and it went extremely smooth and I had an opportunity to talk to one of the assistants uh, from Weber and had had a really good conversation about how it all went for them and then I was out at a jamboree on Saturday watching you know all these youth groups play and there was probably 25 30 percent fan capacity in the stands and and everybody had their masks on and the kids were out there having a great time. I um, had a great conversation with the American fork high school head football coach. Uh, had a great conversation with the Lehigh head football coach and just going back and forth and getting their thoughts on how it has all gone so smoothly. And the fans have done a great job and administration's done a great job and the coaching staff feels safe and they feel like they've gone about it the right way. And, and we had an entire group go down uh, between Thursday and Saturday. An entire group across the state of high school players and high school parents and administrators, and and it all went off without a hitch. I I have not heard a, a serious hiccup yet. Now we we do need to wait to see if there's any type of explosion in in positives. But I I sure uh, I sure am grateful because my son is is uh, playing up with the freshman team. And I'm just really grateful that they're giving it every effort and giving these kids a chance to, to do what they love and, and, and allowing parents to make decisions and administrators to make decisions. That's, that's great as well.
0: Absolutely. Uh, let's flash back to perhaps your greatest play as a Cougar. I want to get some insight into you picking up a fumble against San Diego State <laughs> in, what, 1999, rumbling into the end zone, and then the celebration was fill in the blank. <laughs>
3: The celebration was unexpected because I, I had not prepared for that moment. And it, you know what's sad, Jerem? I, I prepared a celebration after that. I prepared a celebration. In fact, it would have been, I think, a groundbreaking t- uh, sports center top 10 celebration. I just wasn't ready. So I ended up wiggling my arms like one of those sock creatures you see out in front of a car dealership. <laughs> And and then I got tackled by my teammates and my helmet went sideways. But listen to this celebration I put together, guys, because it's classic. So I I had prepared that every team that I played on afterwards, whether it was the Colts or the Voodoo or the Firebirds or the Blaze, everywhere I went, I found a couple of teammates that I knew I'd be on the field with. And what they were going to be is my horse. And I was going to score, set the ball down, jump on their back like I'm riding a horse. They were going to gallop as I lassoed the football. And then I was going to follow down the line, hogtie the football, and throw my arms in the air. (laughs) And and I know somebody's going to now steal this, and they're going to take it as their own. But that's my idea, and it would have been a brilliant celebration. I've never seen it before in football. And, and, of course, now I don't get a chance to do it.
0: You and Scotty G do it today. Simulate it. Put it on TikTok before Trump takes TikTok away.
1: Simulate it. <laughs>
0: the, the problem
3: is, is convincing Scotty G to be a thoroughbred and letting me jump on it I don't think that's going to happen.
1: Hans, great to catch up with you, man. And uh, always nice to laugh with you uh, on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Here's to more BYU football starting in three weeks, and we'll see what this week holds in terms of scheduling as well.
3: man, I'm with you. Fingers crossed because this is going to be a heck of a BYU team, man. This offense has everything you could ask for, and this defense has a lot of guys coming back around. I want to see this team. I want to see. There are four draftable offensive linemen over the next two years in this group. Like these guys are the real deal and I just want to see them have a chance to show how good they are because this is a good football team. So fingers crossed, I'm with you guys.
1: Right on, Hans. Thanks so much for the time. You bet. Hans Olsen on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
0: So the the picture in my mind of you know his helmet after where I can even see.
2: Look at this it's hilarious. hilarious.
0: Yes, when you look through the ear hole, something happens.
2: That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Now for the best to wear. We're counting up to 99,
1: one or two numbers each show, and determining the best athletes to wear each number at BYU. Our double feature today hits numbers 87 and 88. Who steals the show at 87, Jerem?
0: Brian Billick, former uh, BYU tight end, who coached the Baltimore Ravens to a Super Bowl victory in Super Bowl 35. We're giving it to him mainly on what he did as a coach in the NFL and not as a player, although... Uh, He had 47 catches, 650 yards, three touchdowns. That normally wouldn't get you this. The fact that you coach a team to a Super Bowl and win is pretty incredible. First team all lacked, though, in 76. 28 years as a coach, drafted in the 11th round by the Niners.
1: Okay, Brian Billick at 87 at number 88. This one was a tough one, man. Another pass catcher. And, yes, this was a very tight debate. We're going to give it to Jay Miller, who starred at BYU from 1973 to 76. He's the guy that holds the school record for most catches in a game. Had 22 catches in one game against New Mexico. 263 yards, three touchdowns. I don't know that that record will Ever be broken. Not even way- the
0: great Mitch Matthews did that. That is
1: unbelievable. Right, he got close, what, 19? Yeah, 19 catches. Close. Uh, Only good
0: in horseshoes and hand grenades.
1: Miller had 100 catches alone in 1973. 11-81 receiving, 8 touchdowns, almost 12 yards per catch in those 11 games. AP, honorable mention, All-American. Universal Sports, first team All-American in 73. Jay Miller at 88. Who's the honorable mention?
0: Phil Odo. Phil Odo was the first great receiver in BYU history. In fact, he's top 7 still in the 60s. He catches yards and touchdowns. Three-time first-team All-WAC. In fact, he was a defensive end as well. He was the WAC lineman of the year in '65 as a defensive end. Oh my gosh,
1: he did it with a single-bar face mask. Yeah, um,
0: this was Virgil Carter's guy, right? Um, in '65, when BYU won its first WAC title, Phil O'Dell was the truth in the '60s. Uh, drafted in the fifth round by the Lions, played three years in the NFL. Phil O'Dell is a name that you need to remember. Okay, uh, first great receiver of BYU.
1: Can we make an addendum to this then?
0: Let's just go co on that one. Because th- those Cole two great. were, yes. those two were the first two great BYU receivers, and I would still put those two in the top ten, still to this day.
1: Okay, it's official. It's a co greatest to ever eighty eight. I
0: normally hate that, but those guys were awesome, man.
1: Bring on the best to wear it. We're counting up to ninety nine. One number or two each show. Today we're doing one. Determining the best athletes to wear each number at BYU. And today, a unique number 89 because the legacy is still
0: being built. Matt
1: Bushman's the best to wear 89.
0: He's one of the best tight ends in BYU history. Uh, there's, that's a fun debate as to where he fits in the list. There's been some great ones, but your boy Matt Bushman has 125 catches, 1,719 yards, nine touchdowns. And he's the only tight end in BYU history to lead the team in receiving yards in three straight seasons. Now, the last three years, Bureau has not been particularly excellent individually in that category, but he has led Brigham, and I believe he will lead again this year. In fact, I'll be surprised if he does not. Yet uh, zero dropped passes as well in it's 2019. Wild.
1: Target him at least 100 times. Target him yeah. 100 times. Well,
0: in eight games or ten?
1: Who, who knows? But but however many, however many, many games be it is. If it's only no matter six, how many games if it's it is, only six games. Target him seventeen times a game. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that
0: was Mitch Matthews against Nevada and Jay Miller against UTEP. A game that, that's how you have nineteen and twenty-two catches. You have to get targeted a ton,
1: dude. The way you lost that game to Nevada.
0: If he doesn't drop any passes,
1: throw him the rock. Target him a yeah. hundred times in the season. A hundred times a game. Do it. Now for today's best to wear it. The count up to 99 continues. One or two numbers each show recently. And we're determining who are the best athletes to wear each number at BYU. And we're into the 90s. Number 90 and 91 today.
0: Number 90 best to wear it. Bronson Kafusi, 2012 to 2015 defensive lineman, paid the linebacker for a year. Uh, tallest linebacker you ever saw, right? Too tall Jones, maybe, if he had played linebacker. Oh, look, uh, the B-roll is against Cincinnati. Interesting. I like that. 167 tackles, 26 and a half sacks, fourth all-time at BYU. Two picks, three fumble recoveries, fourth all-time in sacks at uh, Brigham, as mentioned. Blocked several kicks, by the way. Oh, man, he was good at that. Uh, 2015 MVP honors from BYU football. Bronson Fousey with the Jets right now, trying to make his way into the NFL still.
1: As is his brother, Corbin.
0: And Harvey Longy. They're
1: all hanging they, out they in New York. They're all
0: hanging out in New York. Honorable mention Lenny Gomes, 89-93, to all-conference player for three seasons in the WAC, but he's mostly known for a quote about Utah. <laughs> quote, all those Utes think that's all there is to life after a BYU loss, but when I'm making fifty to 60000 a year, they'll be pumping my gas. They're low-class losers. <laughs> Max Hall agrees. Uh, we found out that... Lenny now goes by Gregory. Moved to West Virginia, where he says that way nobody could find me. I don't want those Utes, Ute fans, to be able to drag me down. Lenny goes there. W-
1: <laughs> Wait, when did he say that? Because was there a curse? It was
0: like ninety three or ninety four, wasn't it? Isn't that when it was? So did yeah, you- yeah. It was probably ninety three.
1: So did Utah win like three or four in a row after he said that? Ninety
0: four. They won ninety five. They won ninety seven. They won ninety nine. They won. It's interesting. Oh, two. I don't think
1: there's a curse of Gomes. Three. Four. <laughs>
0: Very interesting. 11.
1: 12.
0: 13. <laughs> 12, 15. 16.
1: Plug your 12. ears, BYU fans. At number 91, the best to wear it, Ross Varner going back to the mid to late 70s, 1974 to 1978. Here's a guy that had 14 career sacks, 10 forced fumbles. Oh. That's a ton. Yep. 92 tackles in 1978 alone. He had six of those forced fumbles that season. 78 was another fantastic BYU season. First team all whack. Tangerine Ross Bowl. Varner. Bro. You betcha.
0: Tangerine Bowl. That was the second bowl of BYU uh, no, that ever was played. Seven, it. No, that was 76. 78, BYU played. uh they bowl? Played, No. They played Navy in the first ever Holiday, holiday bowl. bowl. Holiday Bowl. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that was a successful year. Conference changed. though. Has the
1: tangerine bowl turned into something else? Probably. I wonder what that is. Is it like the Capital One bowl or something? I would love
0: if it turned into the orange bowl,
2: because that would make fruit. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Our first guest covers Army
1: football for the Times-Herald record in New York and was the first to report on the September 19th BYU at Army game. Sal Interdonato now joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Sal, welcome to BYU Sports Nation.
4: Hey, guys. Great to be with you.
1: Sal, when did you first learn that BYU was on the Army schedule or revised schedule, I should say? Yeah, probably uh,
4: late, yes, uh, probably early evening last night. Um, I received some information. And I followed up on it with a few sources. And, you know, it was a pretty big news because, um, you know, as Independence Army has been looking to fill their schedule, they lost eight games off their regular schedule. So, um, And one of those games was Oklahoma at home, which a game they've been waiting to play for more than a decade. So getting a team like BYU, you know, with the, the history of BYU, two great traditional programs going at it, is a, is a, is the, one of the highlights of Army's home schedule now. So
0: yeah, absolutely. BYU lost ten games, and also we can empathize with that. Going okay, who's BYU going to play? But this makes total sense. I'm actually surprised these two teams haven't played before in independence at some point. But here we are. I think it's going to be an exciting matchup on September 19th.
4: No doubt. And you look at the placement of the game too, right? Uh, BYU is opening up against Navy, and then two weeks later they're playing a similar t- style offense an uh, uh, army and they're and they're going on the road for both of those games, which is I was kind of shocked when I saw that game where it was, but you know um you know when when all this happened and the pandemic happened, you look at how are these teams going to fill their schedule, and people were talking about home and homes between all the all the independent teams, and I'm like you know i don't see army doing a home and home with New Mexico state i just don't see it happen. see maybe one game you know with an independent and now you know I guess now um, as reported by a local reporter by. Uh, BYU local reporter that you know Army will return to favor down the road uh, playing playing at BYU so
1: yeah let's uh, discuss that because Navy is reportedly going to visit BYU or I should say confirmed to visit BYU in 2026 any idea on when that return game could possibly happen for Army to Provo
4: it's tough everything's in flux and what Army likes to do with its schedules it it likes to play like one big name school in its schedule um, per season so if you go by that scheduling philosophy and you consider BYU a pretty big name school, um, it might not be till later um, after 2025 because they have games coming up, you know, at LSU, at Wisconsin, at Tennessee. You know, they're playing Syracuse. And so I, I don't know if they want to add BYU to a schedule with already a power five you know, a, a pretty pretty good Power 5 team on their schedule right now. They like to keep the schedule. They like to have control their schedule as an independent should. So I see it coming down the road, uh, maybe after Navy probably.
0: Let's talk about Army football a little bit. Obviously, Jeff Monk has done a tremendous job there since coming from Georgia Southern. Took a couple of years, but all of a sudden, two 10-plus win seasons two and three years ago. Last season, a little dip to five and eight. But this is an Army team that is uh, more relevant in college football now.
4: Yeah, no doubt. I think last year was definitely a disappointing season. I mean, they had four games where they lost by a touchdown or less. And they probably might have played their best game at Air Force, a 17-13 game, where they're in there to the end. And, you know, Air Force had double-digit wins last year, where it was a pretty solid team, no doubt. A top-25 team, I believe. And they lost at Michigan in in overtime, you know, and a game that they they probably should have had in the fourth quarter one. So, I mean, this is a team that has experience. There's a lot of players on this team that's experienced a lot of winning. Last year was certainly a disappointment. You hear a guy like Sandy McCoy, fullback, captain, saying, you know, they, they, they definitely want to right their wrongs when they get a chance to play this year. And uh, they have a lot of guys returning and enough to, uh, to, to, to put up a pretty good season this year.
1: Okay, let's define that. What are the expectations? What, what qualifies as a pretty good season for Army?
4: they have to definitely get back on the win. They have to have a winning season, you know. In the past, before that three-year run, they they really weren't, didn't experience much winning. You know, in 2010, they went to um, the Armed Force's Bowl and won that. But then Jeff Munkin comes to town, and, you know, they get off to a little bit of a slow start. You know, when you go 2-10 in one season, turning around to 8-5, and five, you know, 10 wins and 11 wins, there's an expectation there. And, and Jeff Munkin is not going to accept, you know, mediocrity he just not I mean five wins is definitely not what he wants in this program so I think that you know the way their schedule sits out yes they do have two FCS, uh, FCS teams on the schedule with you know Mercer and Abilene Christian you know for what they kind of had a shuffle to schedule for I think that no doubt I mean you look at their toughest games are the service academy games in BYU so I mean if you have 10 or 11 games on the rest of the schedule you know they they should they should find at least six or seven wins on that schedule. I would
0: think. Yeah, and it'll be hard to know uh, traditionally what what worked and what didn't. I think playing is a win for everybody, right? There are certain conferences, Pac-12, Big 12, yeah. Mountain West, MAC, that aren't even going to play. Uh, but here we are, BYU and Army, independents, trying to play. Tell us about the situation on campus there at West Point where it's not a true bubble, but it's perhaps the closest thing to a bubble in terms of a campus in the U.S., in terms of uh, containment and trying to uh, have some sort of bubble situation, right?
4: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's three gates to get onto post, and those, uh, you know, you, for cadets, they they have they have somehow. I mean, in the past, non-pandemic, they would have privileges whether they can leave the post or not. So, I mean, it's well. I'm sure these guys they, they want to play, and I'm sure they're you know they're they're tucked away and not going out, you know, to bars or any you know, definitely not, not not doing any stuff like that. So, it's, it really is. Um, Jeff Buckingham went on um, local TV here and said that they haven't had a positive test since June wow. uh, since. the – came back in June you know when players came back from wherever they were some might have tested positive but since they've been together as a team no positive tests so um you know they're really uh they want to play football and I think the team is focused where they're not going to let any distractions off the field distractions stop
1: them from doing that Sal Interdonado covers Army football for the Times Herald record in New York he's with us on BYU Sports Nation Sal Army has seven home games scheduled for the 2020 slate a bunch of BYU fans are inquiring, is there any chance that they could sneak into this game and enjoy such an historic college football setting?
4: Yeah, I mean, from what I'm hearing right now at this moment, and this th- things can change, obviously, almost minute by minute, day by day. Um, right now, I don't think fans are going to be allowed at games from what I've heard. Um, I don't have anybody on the record from West Point uh, coming out and saying that. But I, w- I will say this, that if – um, fans can't be allowed at uh, the games. There will be, uh, it seems like there will be cadets because Army, every home game has the 4,000 cadets in the stands. And so it seems like there's a possibility to have the, some, maybe not 4,000, but some cadets in the stands for the game. So it won't be, you'll be playing totally in an empty stadium.
0: I can't wait to hear the random voices during downs because there's so few people. Throw the ball! You know, you'll hear these funny comments that you wouldn't have heard before. I want to ask you about the quarantine situation in New York. So right now in New York City, it sounds like uh, you got you got to show up and be there. You know, 14 days or something. What's the situation yes. there? Is BYU going to be able to show up and not have to show up 14 days early to be able to play this game? I assume.
4: Yeah, they're not going to have to show up 14 days early, from what I understand. Since army is considered more of a federal um, base, or you could say uh, military installation, that it's different. There's some some of the um, procedures and protocols are different than uh, what it would be in New York State. In New York State, it's not just New York City; it's the whole state that's quarantined. I live in New Jersey, and there's a 14 quarantine day quarantine in New Jersey for like basically the whole United States. You know, so. Um, You know, I think that it's it's going to be a little bit different. They haven't been specific about it, Army, or not. But from what I hear, it's a little bit different federal than state um, laws or procedures or whatever you like to call them.
1: Where is Mikey Stadium? And, again, Mikey Stadium is one of the hot spots, but all college football fans want to watch a game there. Where is it in relation to uh, where the cadets stay and go to school?
4: Yeah, I mean it, it's part of the campus, but it's a little bit away from a campus. It, it's campus is downhill; they'll call it. And um, if uh, cadets want to, if football players want to walk to uh, the stadium, I mean it's uphill. It's probably a, a little, a little under two miles, probably about a mile, mile and a half from where, maybe a little longer from where they, where their dorms are. Um, so um, it's it's set off um, toward the. Uh, I guess you would call it. If uh, you call it the east east side of the campus if if you were driving in through the gates it would be on the east side of the campus and uh yeah there's the uh, basketball arenas kind of next to it and they have uh that was nice they have one of the most they have what, some of the best facilities you'll ever see in uh, college football they have an indoor um f- field uh Foley center indoor stadium they have uh three two or three practice fields yeah it's it, it's an, it's a very nice campus
0: Obviously Navy is the biggest game of the year, you know, beat Navy, as they say, uh, air force as well on there. It, it would appear, uh, is BYU going to be the, the biggest next opponent on the schedule in your opinion?
4: As of right now, I think so. I mean, there's talk of army playing a, a power five team, you know, Jeff Munkin went on the Dan Patrick show yesterday and said that they're they've had a talks with power five schools, but they've been having talks with schools since this pandemic started in March. So have the, those talks and I, I went on the computer this morning trying to figure out who they might be able to play might they be able to play at boston college on the road maybe but i still think that this byu game really stands out because it hasn't it's never happened before you know and during these situations where they're both independent teams and you know especially with byu also playing navy in their season two you know Maybe you got a little commander in Chief trophy there, you know. <laughs> the trophy between, you know, Navy and Air Force and, you know, B- BYU, you know, trying to get in on some of that. Actually, at least playing like a little round robin. I don't know. You guys don't know if they're going to play Air Force yet, right? I we- mean, Air Force says they want to play games. So. Right.
0: And I wonder le- legally if Air Force can, if the Mountain West is – isn't playing if they can play a non-academy. If they can, I would think uh, that'd be point. fun with BYU because obviously there's a lot of history there from the WAC and Mountain West. Listen, if BYU was in on that Commander-in-Chief Trophy awesome. uh, tournament, if you will, that'd be awesome. I think that'd be great.
4: Yeah, I think it's 2020, guys. You know, what I mean, I think all the rules are thrown out the window at this time. And you know, you just—it's uh, good. To, it will be good to see. I want to get to S- September 5th when BYU's playing Navy and Army's host in Middle Tennessee State. You want to see some college football. Like like the players are saying, let let them play. And, um, you know, hopefully hopefully we get a, a season out of it. So,
1: Sal, we appreciate the time. And uh, I hope you're caught up on your social media accounts after last night. I'm sure it was crazy.
4: Yeah, it was
1: nuts. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. You got it. Sal Interdonato on the Deseret First Credit Union Highline Deseret First, you know why we show how.
4: Dawson awesome BYU's
0: playing Army. It's a little disappointing in that BYU fans won't be able to go there and enjoy uh, Mikey Stadium, which, yeah, you want to see a game at Army. You want to see a game at Navy. You want to see a game at Air Force, right? And a lot of BYU fans have at Air Force. Uh, I personally it, it never went to that game. I, I would like to at some point, so... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see in the future if, if fans can go to that. But it, it's, it's going to be interesting who has fans and who doesn't because it's by status we've talked about. Hopefully, BYU can have fans. We don't have that answer quite yet.
1: Yeah, all we know thus far is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, a number of Big 12 schools are trying to have somewhere between 25 and 30% capacity.
0: Yeah, they'll limit it. Like the Cotton Bowl is going to host a couple of games.
1: With Neutral fans. site. With fans games. Yeah,
0: which is great. text text at 25%, right? The Titans came out this morning and said uh, they're going to have no fans through September.
1: Okay, so no so, fans in Nashville, right. Tennessee through September.
0: And we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So, sorry, sorry, Trevor Maddox, You can't go to anything.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. She is
1: an outstanding golfer for the BYU women's golf team. Alicia May Mateo joins us on the Desert First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom. Alicia, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Making your debut today. <laughs>
5: Thank you. Happy to be here.
1: And all it took was for you to win the Utah Women's Stroke Play Championship. How about that? It was it was simple, right? <laughs>
5: Yeah,
1: I guess. <laughs> <laughs> as you uh, come off that victory, uh, and for those that aren't mm-hmm. aware, I mean, you're doing this uh, uh, all while trying to stay ready for the season that you're not really sure what's going to happen. But so, talk to me about yeah. this about the summer as you prepared for a season mm-hmm. which we're not really sure how is going to unfold. Yeah, uh,
5: this summer was definitely unlike any other. Um, Usually other summers, I'm gone for weeks at a time on the mainland because I live on in Hawaii, um, playing tournaments, and this summer was definitely not the same. Uh, I even had one whole month where I couldn't even, no golf courses were open, so couldn't practice at home, um, but was able to get into the North-South Am and the U.S. Women's Amateur, and then... Uh, So I went up in the beginning of July, played in North Carolina at the North South Am, was able to make the cut there, um, and then was able to come back to Utah for about two weeks, a week, um, prep some more, and uh, go out and play the Am. So that was really fun, um, but couldn't really play well there, couldn't make many putts, but was able to come back to Utah and play in the stroke play and Uh, pull out some good golf so that was nice but definitely a summer unlike any other uh still practicing just like we're waiting for the championship to happen you know so still working hard um but definitely a weird summer
0: absolutely but it's always good to win and you won in dramatic fashion so (laughs) you end up uh tying uh tess blair of sac state you end up going to a third playoff hole where you win. Walk us through sort of the nerves and the drama of trying to compete and win in a playoff.
5: Um, well, honestly, I was kind of angry at myself to be in the playoff to begin with. I uh, really shouldn't have put myself in that position, but I knew it would hurt even more if I didn't win. So um, I just, even on that first shot, I was so pumped. Um I bombed my drive. I don't know how I did it. Um, (laughs) The adrenaline was pumping. It was a par five. uh, Hit my drive. I only had 160 in. Um, And then (laughs) uh, I was like, "Okay, the adrenaline's still going. Might as well hit a seven iron. It won't pass the green. I flew the green um, and then nearly chipped in for eagle. Uh, So that kind of got my juices going a little more. And then next hole, we both almost make our long birdie putts coming downhill. We were above the pin. And then um, the next hole after that, we hit our drives to the same place again. And then um, she kind of left herself kind of a long putt. Um, I left myself a better putt, still a little long. But when she hit her putt, it was – she still had a little meat on that bone, you know. She still had a putt for par. um, And – uh, I saw my line, and I just focused on my speed, and I kind of knew that I was going to make it. Uh, so just hit the putt, and it went in, so that was nice. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, yeah, it's nice to know when you uh, step over a putt that you're going to make it. Uh, I'm still waiting for that <laughs> yeah, feeling. Yeah, we're waiting for that. Waiting so, for that. Yeah. Now, of interest, you They're had a come. couple of uh, BYU wow. women's golf teammates there playing in that tournament with you, Naomi Soifua yeah. and Kirsten Fotu, who also finished mm-hmm. – uh, in the top four respectively, were they there with you watching you in this playoff or how did that all play out?
5: Um, so Omi actually had to leave. She had somewhere to go, but, oh, come um, on. Kiki, <laughs> no, it's totally <laughs> fine. Um, Kirsten, we call her Kiki on the team. Um, She, I actually rode with her to the tournament, so she kind of had no other choice but to follow me. (laughs) So uh, she was in the cart with me. (laughs) She was in the cart with me, and um, on that first hole when I had that chip, I left when I was long on my second shot. Um, She said, all you have to do is chip it in. And I'm like, yeah, I like doing that. So then almost chipping it in, and she was like, oh, you were so close. But, yeah, she was there um, the whole time taking videos for Coach since she couldn't be there and kind of giving Coach live updates. But it was nice to have her there, yeah. She's like, (laughs) like, finally,
0: let's go. I'm hungry, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tell us about what you think the next season will be like because typically you guys play in September. It is Mm -hmm. golf, Um, so, you know, there's a certain level of social distancing that already exists. We've seen uh, the PGA Tour come back and whatnot. Have you been told whether the season is going to be delayed or not? Because the WCC delayed the fall sports, but you guys aren't a fall sport. You cross over into the spring as well.
5: Yeah. Um, So from our last update from Coach, uh, she said we still have one tournament on the schedule, which is nice. Um, We originally had four really great tournaments, but unfortunately other conferences uh, chose to delay their um golf teams also but yeah we still have one tournament to look forward to um coach is still looking if we're able to play anymore um but uh yeah maybe individual tournaments hopefully but we're still looking forward to spring championship season so that's kind of what we're working towards we're just ready for anything you know
1: Alicia May Mateo, the junior to be for BYU women's golf out of Honolulu is with us on BYU sports nation. Uh, Alicia, what are your ambitions personally and as a team, as you move forward this season?
5: Uh, Well, personally, um, just to win more tournaments, you know, uh, last season I had the goal um, before my sophomore year, uh, I told coach, I wanted to win an individual tournament um, and that, happened in my second tournament of sophomore year so that was awesome but i just want to win more you know prove to myself that i can keep winning and i'm still competing you know and of course with the team we want to win some more we want to make it we want to win conference we want to make it to nationals you know so we're kind of reaching as far as we can and doing what we can to get there
0: if i asked you your world amateur golf ranking or (laughs) wagger would you know what it is
5: Uh, I think it's like two something right now.
0: 247.
6: That's right. Oh, okay. What's, what's,
0: what's the goal in terms of, uh, it does, is that a thing you check or no? Um, how do you gauge success? Um, um,
5: honestly, for us, we, um, we don't, we're not able to compete at that, at many high ranking tournaments. So it's kind of hard for me to move up the the Wagger leaderboard you know but my highest was once 164 at one point and um so honestly I don't really look at that um I just try to win every tournament and then wherever I end up I end up but um Wagger did help me in qualifying for the USAM so that was (laughs) Nice. nice. nice um but yeah I don't really look at that um it's kind of Meh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't either. So it's, it's cool. It's the wagger (laughs) swagger, right? Wagger swagger. Yeah. You'll get that later. Yeah. Okay.
5: Alicia,
1: uh, we'll finish with this. Who is your golf idol or hero that you try and pattern your game after?
5: Huh? It's a good question.
1: Besides,
0: I don't
5: really try to, (laughs) I honestly was going to say coach, but, um, I don't really try to copy anyone's game, you know, or, uh, just try to play my own game, um, but kind of see what works for other people, and maybe see if it works for me also. Um, but yeah, just try to play my own game. Not really looking to copy anyone, you know.
1: <laughs> All right, fair enough. Hey, congratulations again on uh, your victory. Thank you. It's great to have you on BYU Sports Nation. We'll talk to you again soon.
5: Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: You got it. Alicia May Mateo on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
0: One of the things I love about uh, doing the show, other than hanging out with you, is being able to talk to rising stars and great people. Alicia May Mateo. Okay. Typically, first timers, a little shy, short winded. Oh. Not the case. Flowery, open. Like, that was great. That was great. And I look forward to. Uh, her being one of the next great BYU golfers, out of the men and women,
1: and this is this is a, this is a golf school too, man. Exactly, I was just going to say that this is quickly becoming uh, a pipeline for outstanding professional golfers. And,
0: and we played in a tournament at uh, Fox Hollow uh, recently with corporate sponsorship team, great event. And BYU has a facility that is being constructed, and that they use there, and it's nice, dude.
1: Times are good. Nice times are good.
0: is buying a
2: mountain. By promo Provo High? Got a Fox Holocaust. Who says money's an issue here? Come on, baby. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Friday. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
1: Friday. BYU football held a scrimmage to end the week of football camp. And with that... We reviewed the tape and now give you our Fall Camp Rash Assumptions Version 2 presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Let's start with this clip, Jerem. Here we go. Lopini Katoa. Wearing the jersey number four, and oh, look at the speed. Breaks off a big, long run, tackled by Shimon Willis.
0: He will be the leading rusher this season. I don't think that's Blue Goggle. They're crazy. He's the incumbent guy. DHC is gone. I think it's Lopini Katoa or Bus for the leading rusher. My
1: rash assumption, Lopini Katoa is going to rush for double-digit touchdowns this season, Jerem. That'd
0: be nice because he's playing four to six games. <laughs> Not to be outdone. Tyler Algier finds his way into the end zone. Tyler Algier is having a good fall camp by all by all reports. And look at him run away from
1: Woo! the defense. My rash assumption, Tyler Algier is the fastest running back on the BYU team. Oh, snap. More than Jackson McChesney? No. That's why it's a rash <laughs> assumption. <laughs> Based <laughs> on this clip only. Next up. Dax Milne, Jerem. I've been high on this guy for a long time. Dax Milne. With the tiptoe catch on the sideline from Zach Wilson, rash assumption, he's going to lead BYU in receptions this year.
0: Rash assumption, he will not drop a ball all year. It's very rash. I have a rash thinking about it. All right. Next up, Jaron Hall finds Hobbs Nyberg, who's on the baseball team, by the way. Brother Chenner was a pitcher, for a touchdown.
1: Hobbs Nyberg, rash assumption, is the next Nate Mickle for BYU oh football. Oh my gosh,
0: that's amazing. I'm guessing, yeah, I'm guessing he's a uh, he's a walk-on as a receiver. But, uh, yeah, dad played at BYU. That Jaron Hall is looking really good. Nice throw in the corner. Uh,
1: Nyberg, by the way, uh, standout football player in the St. George, St. George area. George, yeah. St. George. Okay, up next. I've already mentioned Shimon Willis' name once. This time, oh, nice pass breakup. Rash assumption, Shamon Willis is going to start at least one game this year.
0: I don't think that's too rash. He's in the mix, man. He's he's one of several guys that have some good experience. Plus, Jamal's his dad, bro. He's got game.
1: The boy Shaman.
0: It's a PBU.
1: Okay, those are our rash assumptions. Version two. <laughs> so rash.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, this I is what we would normally do. So fun. You know what I mean? We'd go to practice, we'd be so like one dude. Oh, based on those you three reps that? we saw. Are you
1: serious? You see Dax Milne's quick feet? That
0: means he's gonna have a thousand.
1: Jeremy, we've got four and a half minutes left in show and let's go, let's much party. to discuss, beginning with too high, too low, or just right. Brought to you by Bodyguards Protection for a Life Worth Living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Okay. The following are ESPN Football Power Index projections for the games on the 2020 BYU schedule. Some of them, I should say. Starting with this, Jerem. At Navy, BYU is given a 27.7% chance of winning the game in Annapolis. Uh. Too high, too low, just right.
0: Way too low. I think this should be in the 40s. Listen, Navy, home game, really good team last year, top 25, postseason AP poll kind of team. Lost the quarterback ramp for 2,000 yards. <laughs> Navy's good. Navy is better on paper than BYU, but I think BYU feels like they have something to prove. I think BYU feels like they should have been a 9 or 10 win team last year and were not, and we will see if BYU can do that. I expect BYU to compete well. And perhaps win the game. I, I think it's going to be a good matchup with Navy.
1: I think it's too low, Jerem, because BYU typically plays well in season openers. I don't because think that Because that, that team that isn't change.
0: that good, typically. And I think Navy's pretty good.
1: I think this is a toss-up game, but because Navy's at home, they're probably like a three-point favorite. Yeah. So I think it should be somewhere around 40 or 45% chance for BYU to win that game.
0: Amen. Okay, next up, 75% chance to win versus Troy. Too high, too low, or just right?
1: I think that's... A little bit too low, I'd say. You know, they play the game ten times. BYU wins eight of those, so I put it up closer to eighty percent. Troy wins two. It's in Provo. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's too generous. To I, Troy, I right? think
0: that's too generous. I would say nine out of ten. This is
1: my group of five anxiety for the last three <laughs> yeah. years coming through the airway G five
0: A. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. G five A is high on this one. G five A ranking index ranking high. <laughs> I, I think this is just right. I think that's a fair thing against Troy. and in, in fact, it might even be too low. Uh, I think BYU at home defends home turf and, and should take care of Their it. Their home
1: opener. The home opener. With how many fans? We have no idea. Yeah. Alright. BYU at home is given a 46.4% chance to beat Houston. They are a home underdog yeah. to Houston. Too high, too low, or just right?
0: Just right. Houston went 4-8. and eight. They have a lot of Power 5 guys that transferred and redshirted. They had some guys leave this will be a better Houston team, as we've chronicled uh, yesterday and today. you think this is the toughest game on the schedule. Mm-hmm. I feel uh, it's probably the second toughest, but, yeah, I, I think this is a kind of 50-50 game. I, I, Alema Harrington would appreciate it. Okay,
1: that. yeah, best best opponent, I think, that BYU will face all season, and maybe that uh, is disrespectful sorts to, to Navy, but, I, man... Malcolm Perry was so unbelievable for Navy at yeah, quarterback. He, he was incredible. Them losing him, I, I just don't know that their offense is going to be anything close to what it was with
0: It's him. hard to know that the backup is actually equal to or better right now. We won't know for right. a year. And right now, but last right year it's like, well, there's going to be a drop initially.
1: Third-string quarterback at Navy right now from last year is in line to be the starter. What well, so, happened in the second
0: string? Jeez.
1: I don't know. Uh, Houston, again, that's a toss-up game for me because BYU is at home. I like BYU's chances. So I'd say BYU is like a one- or two-point favorite at home against Houston. Yeah. Similar to Navy. would you know, the uh, CBS Sports Rankings had Navy at 31 and Houston at 35.
0: Very similar uh, program. AAC, baby.
2: The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week. Here on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Let's assess the latest your scheduling, um, as you mentioned. So seven games... Reportedly scheduled, uh, you know, two more. At this point, are you more about quality or quantity as we get closer to the season?
1: I am holding out hope for quality games being added to the schedule until the end of this week. This week, okay. We get to next Monday, and we're within two weeks of the season starting. At that Sun point, like, belt! fill it up. Yeah, Just fill that baby up. <laughs> Make it happen. 10, it cold 11, water? 12 games. I just need water. <laughs> Do we need to drink from the trough? Okay, fine, whatever.
0: Well, maybe not that bad, but yeah.
1: Come on, just, yeah, by the time next Monday rolls around.
0: The trough would be like, J.C.'s. Like, these (laughs) don't even count.
1: By the time next Monday rolls around, yeah, I'll, I will feel the uh, anxiety of just wanting to fill the schedule. But this this week, I'm hoping. And is there an AAC team or two that can still work out something with BYU? You think there is? Is there a you know a Temple, a Tulane? Oh, there's plenty of those. A UCF, a Cincinnati. I know you have been very outspoken about. Can BYU get a couple or even one more AAC team? That would make me feel that much better about the schedule. Two more.
0: Let's go, Tom. Let's okay. go. You Let's want two go, more? Two more.
1: And people are still saying, well, what about Power 5? There was this rumor that was circulating last night that Florida, Florida State, State nope. could be a potential for BYU. No, I was not ever they, buying into that one, especially they, because they scheduled Jacksonville State. They had no intention... Of having BYU fly to Tallahassee and play that game.
0: That would have been hilarious if BYU had Florida State, though, in the year that Florida State was supposed to go to Boise. Oh, I thought about,
1: <laughs> I thought about that. I'm like, oh, man. That what, would have been... What a punch in the gut to uh, Boise State for that. that. Would have been bad. Granted, that game was supposed to be in Boise. Right? Uh, no, that, even worse. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh, man. Yeah. But I, a power five just seems really unlikely at this point.
0: I kind of hope that BYU doesn't have any anymore, which we will address later in the show, but... Because I want to see what BYU does with a group of five and one FCS schedule. We've been talking for years about the schedule and and the new angle that you put on it, which I love. It's like, well, wait, group fives is an issue as well. 11 and 12 over the
1: last three years. When
0: you combine those two, that's how you get four and nine, seven and six, seven and six, right? So what if BYU doesn't play a power five on the schedule? Then what do we expect? That's called a tease. We will discuss that in about... Uh, you know, 25 minutes. I'm with you. I'm probably going to give it a little longer, though, for the quality part, because I think the quantity can happen fast, as we are seeing with Navy happened in 24 hours. Granted, that's a quality one, but reports of Texas State and UTSA, I think those can happen quickly. Troy
1: came together quickly. Troy
0: came together quickly. I'm fine with holding out for some quality, and no doubt BYU is in discussions with dozens of teams. Right now, trying to figure this out. Tom's been all over this. And uh, like we talked about, Tom likely had three different scenarios play out. And guess what? This is a hybrid scenario of the original one we talked about. One was you can play like normal. Another was no Power Fives at all. And another was no Power Fives or Group of Fives. This is a hybrid of possible ACC Big 12. Big 12's out. It's ACC or bust right now for Power Five non-conference games. For them, Then there are uh, three group of fives playing, still available. BYU is finding them in the AAC Belt and Conference USA, and still independent. So day by day, we're seeing, oh, Liberty announced their schedule. There's no BYU. That came out yesterday, so that's not an option. And they're
1: playing 10 games? Is that right?
0: I didn't, I didn't see the number.
1: I, didn't, I thought I counted the number as 10. Maybe, maybe it's more than that.
0: I wouldn't be shocked if Liberty had 14 games on the schedule, the way they operate. <laughs> but I, I am holding out a little longer for the, the quality... Uh, part of the schedule. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to be mad if BYU has 12 games scheduled and the best one's Navy and Houston and Army and then the rest are just kind of whatever. Because we're going to have football, we hope, right? And we're a couple weeks away from this. Maybe there's a
1: premier matchup with Appalachian State.
0: Listen, Appalachian State is legit, dude.
1: Top 25 Appalachian State
0: is a better product on the field than BYU right now. The last couple of years, they've been a better product on the
1: field. More consistent winner for sure.
0: BYU, granted the schedules, have been different. I understand BYU is playing a harder schedule, but you are what you do, right? And I would love a matchup with App State. That'd be one where the casual BYU fan might go, oh, that's a win. It's like, no, 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 no. That's going to be a quality game.
1: And would App State come play. to BYU? It feels like oh. BYU is, like you look at the number of games. BYU has uh, five home games. Right. Five right now. And these are report, two of them reported, Texas State, UT San Antonio. But if they're added on, those, that would be five home games for BYU and only two on the road against the Service Academies, Navy and Army. So now it feels like if BYU is a game, it's going to almost automatically be, on the, be on the road.
0: Yeah, one more home. And uh, no, granted, you could have more home games if you wanted. I think Tom Homo is crazy smart, by the way, by doing what he's doing, yep. which is saying, oh, yeah, yeah, hey, Navy, we'll go there. There's no fans. It's more advantageous for BYU competitively. Army, we'll play there. Yeah, we'll play there. And then they come here. Like, I, I know fans want to go to that game and have that experience. But Tom is smart in what he's doing. Like, people are like, get Notre Dame. No, 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 no. You don't want Notre Dame this year. No, There's going to be limited to no fans. You want it when you can have 65,000 in there. And the fire chief showing up going, we have too many people. That's the game you want. And that's not in 2020.
1: So here come the Hilltoppers. It's been reported from stadium's Brett McMurphy that Western Kentucky will travel to Provo and play college football against Los BYU Cougars on Halloween. Happy Halloween. Trick hey, or treat, huh? Some costumes with the two best mascots in all the land. Ooh, do you think that was planned? Maybe. I don't That's know. not I, bad. Wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past BYU and Tom Homo to think on that level of detail. Wait, are you
7: telling me those are costumes?
1: The two schools have a bit of history dating back to that infamous mascot bracket where (laughs) BYU was accused of paying for votes. You cheated. You cheated to get Cosmo to the top. But you know what? It still counts. Cosmo taking down Big Red in the finale. And the two athletic directors had a little back and forth on Twitter, Jason about possible scheduling when all of this Cosmo and Big Red Madness was happening. If you remember, back on April 17th, Todd Stewart, the athletic director at Western Kentucky, said, We would love to do a football and or basketball series. The schools have played in football, and WKU basketball leads the all-time hoop series 3-0, but we haven't played since 1954. Let's make this happen, Tom Homo, to which BYU's athletic director responded the next day. Ironic how Cosmo and Big Red could get their two athletic directors together to talk a little future fun and games. Great chatting with you, Todd. Good luck to the Hilltoppers. Todd responded later that day. Appreciate your reaching out, Tom. Really enjoyed visiting with you. Excited about some future possibilities. All the best to you and the BYU Cougars. Well, wouldn't you know, Jason. Little did we know. August 21st, amidst (laughs) a pandemic, this little mascot melee has now landed Western Kentucky reportedly yes. on BYU's schedule in 2020. What's your
7: reaction to all of that and this matchup? Yeah, I mean, if the report's true, I, I like the game. There are a lot of different levels as to why I like it. I like the game simply because it just gives BYU a full home schedule. You look at all of the games, some are are official, some not official yet. This would give BYU a full home schedule of six home games. That is major. In a, first of all, in a season like this, you weren't sure how many games BYU was going to get in total, let alone for home games. The fact that you can get six games at home, I think is a major, major accomplishment. And for me, and I know that you and Jeremy have been talking a lot about quality versus quantity. For me, this season is all about having games. The opponent to me is really not a factor. Once the P5 options were taken off the table, for me, the opponent didn't matter. It was all about just getting games to be able to play. This fulfills that. And then you have the, the other layer of the mascot challenge, and they were the write ins, and they weren't getting the respect to begin with, and then they go all the way to the end. Look, if there is not a halftime dance battle between Cosmo and Big Red. Socially distanced. I'm socially distanced, of course. But I mean like it, it is perfect for an opportunity like that. It's it's a nice it's a nice matchup. It's another home game. It gives BYU the opportunity to get six home games in Provo. And, and it's against a team that you have some some recent history because of social media. So th- there's no downside to this at all. The saliva test
1: will work just fine for Big Red and Cosmo, okay? <laughs> get those negative COVID tests. Get them on the field but together. But they're wearing the ultimate masks, okay? A mascot battle on Halloween. How perfect <laughs> is this? I'm with you, Jason. I like that BYU has now, uh, not officially, but reportedly put together Six home games. And we don't know that there isn't another to maybe get on the schedule. Sure, there, may, there could be more. There are teams that are going to have more than six home games. The BYU has at least six. And this is a mini miracle that Tom Homo has worked. And I think he is absolutely brilliant with the way he has scheduled, specifically on the road to home, in this crazy 2020 scenario. He has been aggressive with the two road games. And that has granted BYU or will grant BYU some incredible national exposure. The home games are going to be on ESPN, and one game is contracted to be on BYU TV. We think it's going to be North Alabama. So there will be national exposure for the home games. The rebroadcast rights on BYU TV. Now BYU is going to be on Monday Night Football on ESPN and on CBS National Television in the afternoon on the 19th of September at Army. And all this is pending that things don't get too crazy. Fingers crossed that it doesn't, but this is so well played by Tom Homo, and he gets return games from Navy and Army in the future. When I'm banking, that there won't be a pandemic limiting the number of fans, if any at all, can attend the game, Jason. So, And I think with the four remaining games, because we want BYU to go schedule 12, right? Hey, 10, 11, 12, Absolutely, schedule it. as many as you can. Be aggressive with the road opponents, whether it's AAC or if there's a You know, a minute chance that maybe BYU could sneak a road game against Power 5. Great. Because those games likely will be returned at a future date at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. This is the year to be aggressive on the road, get the future game from uh, a returning Power team later, and then host whoever at home. Okay, Houston's the marquee game at home now. Great. Other than that, whatever. But this is so well played by Tom Homo. So well played. Which takes us, as BYU is now taking on the Sun Belt in Conference USA, primarily, to our stat of the day.
2: It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU is 8-3 and
1: all-time against teams from Conference USA at the time of the games. Here's the thing, Jason. Only three of those 11 games are against teams still within the conference. <laughs> I mean, Louisville in 2001 yeah. was part of Conference USA. Right. Tulane.
7: Tulsa. All lot, those teams yeah, have moved on. Realignment has changed a lot of that.
1: Yeah. How about that? So it's it's an interesting stat,
7: but man, Conference USA is nothing what it used to look like even 15 years ago. Hey, again, it's up for me. It's about quantity versus the quality and getting the just get the games
1: by Monday. I said Monday. I will join you on that bandwagon, but I still have hopes. Like uh,
7: go get some good teams in the AAC on the road. Look, it's still. But yes, it's still. Getting the majority of those games—that's that's that's the number one hurdle—is getting the games. After you know, after that, then you can start to get picky a little bit. But it's about all about getting the games, and I I love what's happening right now. BYU scrimmaged about eighty-five plays yesterday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And then during media availability afterwards, Jeff Grimes said that there are two running backs and then three wide receivers who've separated themselves from their position groups after yesterday's scrimmage.
2: I would say at this point, we got a couple of running backs that are ahead of the rest of the group and then some other guys that are trying to catch up. You know, at tight end, obviously, there's Matt and everybody else, but the everybody else is, is a sizable, talented group. So those guys are fighting for reps. How many of those guys play in game one will depend on on how they progress the next couple of weeks. Um, we've certainly got three guys at receiver that are a little bit ahead of the others, and then another two or three guys who are fighting to be number four, number five, number six in the game.
7: So the guys that Grimes is talking about, he's talking about playmakers. He's talking about guys that have, have maybe separated themselves from other players in the position group. He's talking about guys that are making plays. Who would you think the offensive playmakers will be for BYU this season? Yeah, let's get specific, shall we?
1: Obviously, Matt Bushman is the guy for BYU on offense and Zach Wilson's number one option. He's an All-America-type tight end. He deserves that type of notoriety. The two running backs and the three wide receivers, I know Jeff Grimes was... A little bit mysterious about that. He didn't reveal names, but let's kind of take the mystery out of this. Uh, and I feel very confident in this. The two running backs that are emerging are Lopini Katoa and Tyler Algier. Yep. Okay. That's, I would agree with you. Yes. It is what it is. And that's not saying, like Coach, Coach Grimes said, that the other running backs aren't talented. They're just emerging. And they should. Lopini is the experienced back. Tyler Algier has had an outstanding fall camp or training camp, from what we've heard. Those are the running backs. The wide receivers – are the experienced guys, Jason. It's going to be Gunnar Romney. It's going to be Dax Milne, two guys that make plays and made plays last year, and Gunnar Romney in his case, even his freshman year, and then the return of Neil Pau. He's a guy that made plays two years ago. So this is not a shocker. Dax Milne, Gunnar Romney, Neil Pau. those are the three receivers. The running backs are Lopini Katoa and Tyler Algier. Those will be the playmakers along with – Zach Wilson, and Matt Bushman. And he said, you know, it's Bushman and the rest of the tight ends. I think Isaac Rex is at the top of the rest of the tight ends. BYU has plenty of playmakers on offense. And, Jason, I know know that we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but looking at that home schedule, I'm thinking, oh, man, if the offense can find a way to generate energy in a stadium that has limited to no fans – then they're going to do some amazing things at Lavelle Edward Stadium. It'll be unorthodox, hey, but hold, it'll be really good. Hold that
7: thought because we will talk about that coming up. Look, I I agree with you. I don't think there's I, when you talk about playmakers going into a new season. I think a lot of times, I think people want are expecting maybe somebody new. Who who I, I I'm not going to go with anybody that I don't think anybody would expect them to not be there. I think the playmakers are pretty obvious. And and you mentioned Lapini could. Lopini Katoa, for me, is, I I think, going to be the guy that, at the running back position, is going to get the carries. I I do believe in if you you get one guy and you use that guy. So I I think for the running back, it's going to be Lopini Katoa. How many carries per game is that? Oh, man, I don't know. 15, 20, something I, like that? I would say if you could get 17 to 20, yeah. I, I think that that's – you give him those opportunities. I agree with you. Tyler Adjure is going gonna, is gonna to be in the mix, too. But for me, Lopini Katoa is the guy at running back. Matt Bushman is the number one playmaker of, of everybody. But then you talk about Gunnar Romney, who I loved earlier this week. His comments about being – he wants to be the number one guy. I love hearing Gunnar Romney talk like that. Yeah, and Eric Mateo said yesterday on Twitter, uh, 18 went wild yes. in the scrimmage. I love hearing that, that he wants to be the guy. And then Dax Milne, and I agree with you on Isaac Rex. I think the two tight end set that, Jake, that BYU can use with Bushman and Isaac Rex could be deadly. I mean, they could destroy some defenses with both of those guys.
1: The 2001 schedule was not exactly loaded,
7: and BYU's offense went nuts. Well, and let's let's not forget, Zach Wilson is going to be a playmaker, and it's not just throwing touchdowns. This guy can make plays, keep plays alive. So I I think Zach Wilson, I expect him to take a big step forward as well. Well,
1: I'm not saying BYU's team this year is going to be the 2001 offense, but I do expect BYU to put up 35-plus a game against the home schedule, Jason. Yeah, no, I... I mean, Houston will be a little bit different than the other teams. Go score points. You're speaking my language here. I Go love it. Go score points. It all starts on the road, however, and we are one day closer. Countdown to Navy. 17 days. 17 days away. BYU in Annapolis at Navy. No fans there. But we will be there to deliver everything you need to know and Countdown to Kickoff.
2: Man, we're going, baby. 17 uh, days away. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
1: BYU football lost a ton of production at the receiver position. Following the 2019 season, but that doesn't mean expectations aren't high. They're high every year, especially for the likes of a man who sat out last year, the returning Neil Pau, or my vote for the most underappreciated offensive star on the BYU team, Dax Milne, and the man who Jerem spoke with yesterday.
0: That's right. Out of high school, Gunnar Romney was the guy who had hype equaling Austin Collie coming out of high school. And now Gunnar's looking to make a jump this year. Three, uh, Seniors graduated. There's some space there for him to occupy that. Here's my conversation with Gunnar Romney on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All right, first things first, tell us about the haircut. When did this happen?
8: Man, you know, I, I sort of played around with my hair over the, over the whole quarantine. I tried the perm thing, tried the bleach thing. I tried growing it out. But, you know, it's business time. It's football time. So I had to shave it. You know, it feels good under the helmet. It's freeing. So I'm ready to go.
0: Listen, I know from five years ago when I shaved my head on the show. So I, I'm with you. I'm with you. It is freeing. So it feels good in the helmet then. I, I've never thought about the uh, hair culture with the helmet, right? Some guys love it long and underneath. Obviously at BYU there's a certain hair standard. But you like how it feels in the helmet then?
8: Yeah. So, you know, when I was practicing for the first couple of days, it was getting in my eyes. And I don't really like wearing a headband too much. So, you know, it really just sent me. So I told my brother, I was like, hey, you got some clippers? Went and shaved it for me. So, doesn't look bad. So hit him up for a haircut if you want one.
0: So Baylor did this. He did. Okay, you'll find out if it's good later. By the way,
8: because yeah, it'll I grow and any... it looks good right now. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see that how it is. it looks
0: nice. Let's hope it uh, stays up. Tell us about the helmets that you're using. We saw these debuted last week. Mm. Obviously, uh, we're in a pandemic, and you're trying to cover, you know, the bottom of the face mask. Tell it how it feels, how it's different.
8: Yeah. So you know, we're we're trying our best to stay safe and trying our best to to limit the contact that we have. So. Mm. For the first couple of days, we tried wearing, you know, the masks. Actually, these things, the the gators they call them under our helmets, and you know, it, it was it was a little hard to breathe. It got a little hot, and so they they put these plastic uh, face shields over our face mask, just the bottom half of it, just to cover, you know, to try to limit what we're how much we're actually in contact with each other. But you know, actually, it doesn't really affect us too much. I I thought initially it was going to be hard to you know catch low balls or something with that thing right there. Uh, impairing my vision but it hasn't been too much of a factor and it's it's not really hot in there you know so it's 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 pretty good so far and you know not a lot of people no one's gotten sick so far out here so I think it's it's doing good.
0: That's great news you're two weeks into fall camp tell us how things are going for you.
8: Um, So for me personally I you know started out kind of slow with fall camp had a little soft tissue injury again uh, just kind of kept kept out for the first two weeks but Starting end of last week, I got a couple reps. You know, this week I'm going full go again, and it feels really good to be back there full speed. I feel healthy, feel, feel confident, and I'm ready to go.
0: What, was it a hamstring? Because you had a hamstring issue, what, freshman year? Or was that last year? Yeah, it, w-
8: it was my hamstring again. And luckily this time I caught it before it was, it was bad at all. So it was just sort of a precaution thing. You know, get it out, rehab, get it loose. Um, so I'm thankful for the training staff here that, that helped me through that. But, you know, I'm feeling fast now, ready to go.
0: We saw that speed on display in a couple of highlights. Granted, you know, there's only so many highlights you can get in, but a couple of touchdown catches, I think, in the highlights put out. How, how are you feeling in fall camp in terms of your production and your ability to get down the field?
8: Yeah, you know, like I said, I've only had a, a limited amount of reps starting last week, but, you know, the reps that I have got, I feel like I've made the most of, and I feel like, you know, I've, I've taken a huge step already this year from, from where I was at last year and where I was even at the beginning of a couple of days of spring ball. And so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling ready to go. I'm feeling confident for the season and I'm looking forward to, you know, burning some DBs.
0: That is the hope, right? Burn some DBs. Yeah. I'm I'm going to hold you to that one. I love it. Um, Let's talk about where, how you've evolved now that you're a junior. I can't believe it's been two years already, right? You're an upperclassman. Mm -hmm. You're one of the leaders in this group. How have you seen yourself evolve as a player and a leader?
8: Yeah. You know, for me personally, I think the biggest thing that's changed is my confidence, Um, You know, I've I've played at this level now and I I understand what it takes to to succeed at this level now. And so I just all the offseason work that I've put in to get bigger, faster, stronger. It's really helped me know that that, you know, I can compete. I can I can impose my will this year. And so really just the, the knowledge that I've gotten, being able to play a lot faster, being able to, you know, process things on the field a lot faster with the speed of the game at the college level. And so overall I feel like that's the number one thing is just being able to play fast and play confident. And, you know, as a receiver, that's, that's the, that's the main thing being able to, to, you know, just go out there and ball out and not worry about anything.
0: Last year there were three seniors, obviously, in Talon, Chumway and Aleva Hefo, and Mike Simon, where you could kind of be the number four or five receiver, right? Um, you're hoping to be your best self and break into that. But this year, do you feel positive pressure to be a number one receiver?
8: Yeah, most definitely. You know, those dudes were great mentors. They, they really showed us, uh, you know, they, they really took me under their wing. And so now that they're gone, I feel like I have I have some big shoes to fill. But it's it's exciting, you know. I just see it as a positive opportunity to go out and really show what I can do. And, you know, some of the other guys that have been here for a while, too, they feel the same way. So I think the receiving core all around this year is, is going to be really good. You know, we have a lot of talent. We have some experience coming back. And so I think, you know, for me personally and for those the other guys, we see it as, as a big opportunity to go out and be one of the best receiving cores in the country.
0: Let's talk about the other two who appear to be in kind of the top three with you. Uh, Dax Milne, of course, has been with you the last two years. And then Neil Powell is back. I think people forget that Neil's on the team and that he's going to be a, a baller. Tell us about the production of those two guys with you.
8: Yeah, you know, for the first couple of weeks, you know, they were getting the majority of the reps because I, I wasn't here. But they've done a great job so far. You know, they've been, they've been tearing it up out here. You know, like you said, a lot of people forget about Neil, but he's looking he's looking really good. He's one of the most smooth players I've ever seen. Just super fluid in all of his breaks and, you know, just has a super good feel for the defense and the DBs. And he can really just sort of create separation in the middle where there's not a lot of, a lot of space. Oh, whoops. And then uh, – you know Dax Millen he's he's Dax you know he's just super quick super shifty you know not a lot of people can hang with him in one on one coverage and so he's been doing his thing too so you know it's 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 going to be fun this year we have a lot of you know we all have different sort of playing styles and so i think it's going to be it's going to be hard for dbs to in defenses to sort of game plan just because of how different we all are and how how we can you know create our own matchups so it's going to be fun this year Chris
0: Jackson's an intriguing guy for me because he has a compelling off the field story. The fact that he's at BYU is pretty wild given kind of where he came from and got an injury and wasn't as heavily recruited as maybe he probably could have been without it. But here he is at BYU now to tell people about his game. Cause he seems like a speedster, like a, a burner that BYU can use.
8: Yeah. One thing I love about Chris is his competitive fire. You know, he comes out there not shying away from everybody and you know, He's coming out there, super aggressive, trying to you know trying to get in DBs heads a little bit, and he does. He's a he's a he's a burner for sure. He can take the top off the defense, but he's also a really good route runner. And so I'm excited for him to work his way into the rotation this year as well. And he's going to create some matchup problems too. So he's a, he's one to look out for for sure.
0: Who who else sticks out? Who else is making plays and uh, catching your attention as a fellow receiver?
8: Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of lot of playmakers step up this year. I think you know Cody Epps is one freshman that's come in and he's really done his thing. Early, he's a great route runner, can create a lot of space. And then people like you know Keanu Hill, who's who's he's he's set out a couple of days because of you know a little injury, but he'll be back soon. He's a he's a mismatch, you know. He's a big body, he can can catch the ball anywhere, you know, do pretty much anything. But there's a lot of other guys that are that are stepping up too, just all around our receiving core is looking really good. So I'm really excited for it.
0: We're talking with Gunnar Romney, junior receiver on the BYU football team. Are you a better player than your uncle Matt Allen was right now?
8: You know. I don't really want to, I don't really want to say anything. in my cost the family. Um, you know, I'll just, I'll leave that up to you guys to decide. Listen, so. I'll
0: be honest. I feel like you have a little bit of work to do to beat Matt, but I feel like if you have a great junior and senior year, you're right there, man. Matt was yeah, pretty you good. Know, it's it's
8: cool funny. Every every time I see him, you know, he's always challenged me to a race or to one-on-ones or t- telling me he can cover me or something still. So, you know, I, I just got to let you guys see the film then. And so we can, uh, we can decide from there.
0: That was good, dude. It was good. Okay, let's talk about uh, your brother Baylor. So, obviously, he's one of three guys getting a lot of reps right now. And quarterback coach Aaron Roderick said, yeah, we're splitting the reps evenly with those three, which is pretty cool considering you have three dudes who have started multiple games and one. It could easily just be one guy's opportunity, but it's three. So, how is that going from your perspective? And how is it being the brother of one of those three actually receiving the ball?
8: yeah you know it's it's really cool because all three of them have played games, and all three of them have proven that they can win games, and so there's really not a wrong decision when you're when you're making the decision so it's it's going to be very hard for the coaches because every single one of them has been tearing it up and you know when it comes to the Baylor thing uh you know i, I have to be selfish when it comes to this because I just want the best quarterback on the field you know I, I love him uh off the field, but you know if if he is the best quarterback then i'm I'm super happy for it but you know if 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 it goes another way then I got to go with it, and I'm, I'm excited for whichever of those three it is. But they've all been doing extremely well this fall camp, and they've all been splitting reps, and they've been getting after it. I think in that room, they do a really good job of, you know, being competitive, but at the same time helping each other out and making each other better, and so it's really good.
0: If I asked you a question about all three, would you and, – and I had you pick one, would you always say Baylor, or are you the kind of brother that wouldn't pick your brother just to just to rub him the wrong way because that's the relationship?
8: Oh no! I'm going to be honest, no matter what. You know, our relationship is we're we're open and honest. You know, if I'm if I'm messing up, he's going to tell me. So if he's messing up, I'm going to tell him too. So that's okay. that's just how we are.
0: Okay, highest release of the three.
8: Um, yeah, I got to go with Baylor on that it's one. Way high. I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the picture. His his arm is like straight yeah. up extended on that one. So
0: I joked that uh, you know, hey, top 15 in the country in high release, PFF probably like when. When did he learn how to throw like that because it is uniquely high.
8: Yeah, I think that's just been his natural throwing le- release ever since he was younger, you know. I I don't know where he got the genes for that cuz my throwing release, I look like I'm side arming it or shot putting it. <laughs> it's it's awful. You don't want to see me throw the ball. But yeah, he's he's just always been like that just with the mechanics that like that.
0: So no trick plays to where you throw a pass. Is that what you're saying? I mean,
8: I'm not I'm not going to let anything, you know, I'm not going to tell you guys, can't, can't surprise it, but we'll see you know what Micah, happens.
0: You know Micah Simon throwing the ball?
8: We'll see what happens. You know, <laughs> I, I, might, I might be practicing a little bit.
0: <laughs> Today, Tyler Algier said his running style is like, I think he was asked to describe his running style. He said Marshawn Lynch. That's a, that's, mm. that's a good one. I'm a Seahawks guy. Uh, do, do you agree with that assessment of Tyler Algier? I, I actually. Running back.
8: Yeah, so he's he's a he's a powerful runner. It's going to be really hard for someone to take him down one on one just because of how strong he is. But at the same time, he's he's shifty too. So I think Marshawn Lynch is a great comparison because you know he he can run it up the middle and and you know power his way down as much as he wants. But if he's in the open field, he might be able to get away from some people too. So I think that's a really good comparison.
0: Okay, let's finish with this. Uh, we're under three weeks from BYU and Navy. We're we're approaching mm-hmm. that. Uh, how are your feelings as you know we fought through? Uh, spring and summer of uncertainty, but we are close to an actual football
8: game. Man, I'm so excited! I just, I just want to play some football, no matter where it's at, no matter who we're playing. Uh, like I, I said earlier, um, we could, we could line it up, you know, in a parking lot against the, against you know a YMCA team, and I'd be happy to play. <laughs> so you know, the fact that we're playing Navy on national television, I think it's one of the first games in college football, if not the first. Um, as of right now so it's going to be an awesome stage to play at and so I'm really looking forward to it it's getting me really hyped it's
0: going to be a special day for sure given all the circumstances who you're playing where you're playing when you're playing it's basically Monday night football the week before the NFL starts Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool so well that'll do it Uh, Gunner. we appreciate the time and enjoy the extra five
8: minutes
1: you have every morning in the shower
8: Hey, appreciate it thanks for having me
1: Matt Allen's nephew on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Listen,
0: uh, I, I love Matt Allen. He was uh, a receiver when we were in school and on some very successful BYU teams. But yeah, Gunner has a chance to be a really, really good player. Like I said, coming out of high school, four-star Arizona, we thought Austin Collie type. We are hoping to see that this and next year in his upperclassman years. We expect a lot of freshmen and sophomores a lot. When they really get to junior and senior, that's when you can really judge someone on whether they were really good or not, in my opinion.
1: I like the wide receiver core, albeit they're kind of under the radar because BYU lost so much senior production.
0: They, they should be. They have to do something right. to get on the radar, right?
1: But I, I think Gunner is the leader in that category. Board. He's the guy.
0: Neil Pau, Dax Mill, your top trainer.
2: Let's go. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
1: That takes us to the best aware we're counting up to 99. Unbelievably, we're almost there. It's been forever. Uh, we're determining the best athletes to our each number at BYU, and today it's all about number 92.
0: Jim Herman. Jim Herman was awesome. 1980s on the defensive line. 106 tackles, 26 sacks in his career. 12 TFLs. Well, that's got to be uh, plus the 26 probably, right? 6 force fumbles. First team all-whack the year of the national championship in 1984. In fact, the year before in 83, which Spencer has argued is actually better than 84. Mm-hmm. 16 sacks tied for second most in the season in BYU history, although the NCAA didn't count defensive stats until 2000 because they were just dumb. Uh, 26 career sacks, fifth most. In BYU history and Jim Herman was legit drafted by the Cowboys seventh round in
1: 85. The Herminator. I ran into Jim Herman, you all right, eating lunch with yeah, I'm feeling okay. Okay, um, he was eating lunch with one Lee Johnson oh, nice. at a nearby barbecue Did establishment. Get in? And <laughs> 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 they were quick to point out that uh, everything I say is irrelevant and I'm just a talking BYU head, you know, we then- run
0: with that situation right. the whole t-
1: show. Well, right, and then and then Lee quickly uh, backpedaled and said, hey, but when am, when am I coming on again? Right. You're like, you're not helping Yeah, you want to be on the show. Thunderfoot. Yeah. Uh, love those guys. Uh, Jim, very outspoken, funny guy, yeah. um, well-deserving at 92. On. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The honorable mention at 92, Ryan Denny. Ah, oh, the Denny brothers. Ryan played from 1997 to 2001. First team All-Mountain West Conference in that epic 2001 season. I didn't know there was a fourth team, All-American team, but apparently in 01, there was from the sporting news.
0: Wow, there you go. Okay,
1: so so there's that. 16 sacks, 40 tackles for loss in his career, six forced fumbles. Here's the guy he, that played nine seasons in the NFL, eight with the Bills, one with the Texans. Um, the Denny brothers have had a nice go in the NFL.
0: Yeah, John is the long snap for the Dolphins until last year. Denny slam, that's a nice graphical headline. I like that. The grand slam. 199, you out of your mind? I kind of missed that. It's I still, missed that. Totally it's, it's missed that. It's not that cheap anymore, right?
1: A couple of strips of bacon, is some eggs, bucks? some hash browns. How much is it now? The Grand Slam's like $8.99 now. $8.99? $8.99? Are you out of your <laughs> mind? Yeah, you're out of your mind. You pay yeah, that. I ain't going there now. <laughs> That takes us to the best to wear it. We're counting up to ninety-nine, one or two numbers each show, and determining the best athletes to ever wear each number at BYU. Today, we are all about number ninety-three,
7: the famous movie star yes, Jason. Yes, Brett Kiesel. His BYU career was 97 through 2001. 66 tackles, 19 tackles for loss, 8 sacks, 6 pass breakups, 2 forced fumbles. He was a 2001 Honorable Mention All-Mountain West Conference. Drafted in the 7th round in 2002 by the Pittsburgh Steelers. What a steal. All he did was play 12 seasons in the league, win 2 Super Bowls. He was a Pro Bowler in 2010, and obviously his beard Gained significant uh, attention, yeah. and to the point where it ended having its own Facebook page, yeah. its own Twitter account, and it, and it started um, a, a charity. For, he, he actually cut it. They called it Shear the Beard. And they ended up raising forty thousand dollars for a children's hospital, and that has continued on over the lat since Kiesel retired from the NFL. And but. You mentioned the, the movie star. He was he was in The Dark Knight Rises. The scene where Bane comes in and blows up the
1: stadium. Brett Kiesel was in there. In Brett's words on BYU Sports Nation, we asked him, Hey, what happened to your character? And he said, I got blonde to smithereens. Yeah, sorry. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen The Dark Knight Rises yet. Yeah, so thus, uh, he's he's got <laughs> some beef with Bane. Yes, he That's does. for sure. Hey, who doesn't? Straight out of Gray Bowl, Wyoming, yes. Brett Kiesel. Love that guy. Does fantastic stuff. We still need to get his t-shirt. He's got the beard t-shirts. Just the outline. Make it happen. Make it
2: happen. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation and are pleased to bring on our next guest. She
1: is a very accomplished, albeit legendary, coach for BYU women's soccer. Jen Rockwood with us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Jen, welcome back to the show.
6: Hey, thanks, guys. It's been a while.
1: It has been a while, and I wish (laughs) that we were talking about BYU playing actual soccer, but here we are in uh, a very tough situation so let's start with this, Coach. How have you handled the last 72 hours or so since finding out that the West Coast Conference season was officially shut down for women's soccer?
6: Well, it's, you know, it's something that I, we figured might be happening, obviously, as soon as uh, the Pac-12 and some of the other big conferences went down. Um, you know we'd been hopeful all summer that that maybe things could be sorted out, but um with having seven teams in California right now in our conference we uh just understanding the situation there um we knew that it was probably a good chance that we wouldn't be playing this fall, but yeah when it when it finally hit it it was hard, and you just feel really bad for all these student athletes that have prepared um you know and and we had so much anticipation and excitement looking forward to this new season with um a new group of girls and and a lot of expectations so we'll just have to put that on hold for a little while
0: at what point did you think this was a possibility
6: uh it's probably about a month ago um you know things just weren't moving in the right direction it was, we were really hopeful at the start of the summer and you know even like I said, within the last month, um, in, in conversations with a lot of coaches around the country, uh, we really thought that it might happen, you know, even though it was going to be delayed. And you know, we found out that our season was pushed back to the September 24th and that was kind of a big hit um, when we heard that. Um, but we you know, we're ready to move forward. I had, had to scramble uh, to try and fix the schedule a little bit. We had a really great schedule this fall, and, and we tweaked it a little bit dealing with that first start date, and, and then it kind of got changed again, and, and so now we're just going to have to wait, and there's just a lot of unknowns, but we've had a lot of unknowns for the last six months, so we'll just keep plugging forward and, and get better for when that opportunity comes for us to compete again.
1: Coach, if a team, and I know this is a huge if, but a team in a conference that is still playing sought out BYU, are you at liberty to take on that game or even an exhibition, or is this a conference-wide, like, we're in this together, we are not going to play at all this fall?
6: Yeah, my understanding is that we won't be able to play or or compete this fall. Um, I think our numbers right now for women's soccer as well as volleyball are upwards of 65 to 70 percent of the teams and programs across the country have now um, pushed back till hopefully spring. Um, And so there are a few teams that are still trying to to get the season in. But we also know there won't be an NCAA tournament this year without the 50 percent participation. Hoping the NCAA might uh, deal with that in the spring. Uh, but again, just a lot of unknowns uh, out of our control. All we can do is, uh, is get ready and uh, prepare and, and get as good as we can be for when that time comes.
0: How did your team take the news?
6: Um, it's hard, especially hard for our seniors who, um, you know, had, we had such a great year last year, one of our best seasons we've ever had. Um, and again, there's a lot of anticipation. We graduated a lot of great seniors, but we had a lot of uh, great depth returning. Um, and a really um, great group of young players that were kind of ready to fill in those slots for us. Uh, Some uh, transfers that were looking forward to stepping on the field in a a BYU jersey. And, um, you know, so so a lot of disappointment. But, again, we've tried to prep them throughout the last month or so, knowing that was a possibility. So when it really was shut down, I think we weren't really surprised. We kind of knew it was coming.
0: Will you be surprised if the NCAA doesn't allow eligibility for seniors that want to return?
6: Um, I, think, I think their eligibility will be in, intact. I think it'll be similar to what they did in the spring. I, I don't think anybody will lose any eligibility because we haven't started. And there's so many teams in this situation right now. Um, you know, I think seniors will have a, ch- a choice to move on or come back. I know our seniors are committed and really want that senior experience, especially after coming off of last year and, and what our seniors were able to do. Um, so, again, we'll just see. Time will tell. And I'm just excited to get back on the field today. will be our first day of training. Uh, since February 20th so uh, that'll be fun to see the girls again.
1: Jen Rockwood with us on BYU Sports Nation so practice today you don't know when you're going to play another game annually you have a spring schedule built in so is it that far of a reach to say that there could be an official season in the spring if you just ramp it up uh ramp up your usual spring schedule?
6: Um, I think there could be. Um, I think that's what a lot of teams are hoping for, um, especially, like I said, a couple months ago, seeing the possibility of maybe uh, moving to the spring. Um, But I know the NCAA, you know, they've got, I think, um, 32 or something championships in the spring and 22 in the fall. And and I know moving all of those championships to the spring um, might be a little challenging. And so again, we don't know what's going to happen or how it would look um, whether it would just maybe be the conference, but our hope is that we get a few scrimmages in maybe this fall. And then if we don't get a season in, in the spring, we, we do have that opportunity to play a bunch of games in preparation for 2021.
0: Non-football men's basketball. Don't, make money typically, but the championships do, do they not? So I feel like the NCAA would actually be in on that if they can make money off that, and it seems like they could, albeit, like you said, it would be a loaded spring, but I'm envisioning quadruple headers on BYU TV in the spring. I I love this idea, Jen.
6: Um, Yeah, I think, I mean, let's do it. I, I, you know, the Institute has to make those decisions. I know here at BYU, uh, everyone's in support of us playing and competing and, and they have all the protocols in place for that to happen. We know that football most likely is going to happen. We're really excited for that. Uh, I know our university needs that. um, And and we're hopeful that that can get going and, and maybe, You know, see how you have to deal with all of these unknowns and and at least getting out there and trying to compete and trying to travel, see how that looks for, you know, the other sports coming up in the winter. Uh, And then, you know, we've got to get going again, got to get things open and and moving and and see how we're going to deal with all of the situations we're in. Coach, how does
1: the impact of a postponed season uh, affect recruiting and player development?
6: Um, it's a good question. Um, it's, it's so new. You know, they pushed the NCAA recruiting dead period back another month. So I haven't watched uh, any potential recruits again since about February. Um, most of the tournaments, you know, were all shut down over the summer. Um, and now we can't go out and watch. So, you know, everything's just a bit on hold. I know that's really hard and challenging for a lot of these younger players who, you know, worked hard and, and in the process of making some decisions and, and recruiting, you know, we're fortunate we do know we were ahead, I think, in the recruiting process. And so we we're already very familiar with a lot of freshmen and sophomore players out there. Um, so I think we're we're set. We're moving forward. Um, we've got a great class coming in 2021 and already have a very, very competitive group coming in 2022. And, and then we'll be looking to finish up that class here pretty soon.
0: Jen, when's the last time you weren't involved in soccer for five or six months like this?
6: Um, I can't ever remember a time, probably I maybe seven or eight years old when I started playing <laughs> soccer, and uh, I started coaching soccer and doing camps you know, when I was about 14, 15 years old. So it's been a, a, quite a different experience uh, for me and for our staff and for everybody involved in athletics across the country. It's been quite a challenge to stay motivated and, and try and stay in touch with your players. And, again, just really looking forward to seeing the girls again. It's, it's been a long time, and they always give me a lot of energy, so I'm ready to feel their energy and their good vibes.
0: You've gone 25 years plus, which is incredible. You're the only coach BOE's ever have. You going for five or ten more?
6: Well, we'll see about that. Uh, You know, I've had a nice little break, a little break that I've always wanted, I guess. A sabbatical, if Uh, you will. Yeah, Yeah, definitely a sabbatical. So hopefully I'm rejuvenated and I feel rested and ready to go and anxious and excited. So, yeah, let's go.
1: Well,
0: that's the best news I've heard all day. Yes. That's
1: great. Yes. Please don't (laughs) leave us. Uh, Also, hopefully we can energize you as well from uh, Studio B with some BYU Sports Nation karma. So take that for what you will.
6: Thank you. I'll take all the karma I can get, but your guys' is especially good, so thanks.
1: (laughs) Coach, enjoy (laughs) practice today, and uh, our fingers crossed that things can get back to normal as soon as possible so that we can enjoy an incredible BYU women's soccer program that you've put together.
6: Well, thanks. We've got a great group of players, and they're ready to roll, so looking forward to the future.
1: All right, Coach. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks, guys. Jen Rockwood on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
0: So the volleyball team and the soccer team, they were anticipating playing in five weeks. So they were all in town, ready you know, voluntary practice, and then they were going to start formal practice. I love that they're still going to practice. So we talked to Heather Olmstead last week on Friday and then uh, Jen Rockwood today. They are still practicing as if they had a season. Granted, they'll chill how fast the you know pace of the practice and the urgency and whatnot. But that's notable because they totally could just say, "Man, we're not going to practice. Like we let's just when you get to school, let's hang out in a couple weeks." But no, they're here and they're putting in work right now. In hopes that they have a season in the spring because they want to get better right now. So I, I applaud that. They could totally take it easy and it'd be understandable.
1: Yeah, I, it's important that they stay engaged, and I think it's really important for the mentality of the players to have something to do, even if it's just practice. And even if and it's this just is the, this is their life, Intra-squad scrimmages, yeah. things like that. Yeah. So I, I support it wholeheartedly, and uh, I appreciate the leadership that BYU has in you know so many prominent fall sports that are just on hold.
2: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's get to the fall camp rash
1: assumptions from the latest scrimmage presented by Tim Daly Ford. Number one, Jason. All we know is that it's Zach Wilson and Dax Milne involved here. Watch... And react. Oh, okay, it's nice a deep spiral. ball. Look at that. Nice, nice. Oh, over the Milne shoulder. Doing what he does. Look at that.
7: Scenes of Utah State last year down the sideline. The one-handed catch against USF. The SF. defender right in his grill, and he doesn't take his eye off of the ball.
1: I like it. Dax Milne is, then. this isn't rest. the most underappreciated offensive player. He's going to catch five touchdowns this year, at least, Jason. At least. I like
7: it. Here's number two. All we know, Wilson to Romney. Oh, another deep another ball. deep ball. Uh, Zach is oh, slinging it, and Gunner, look at that! And gets the feet down in the end zone. Look, we're talking. We're focusing more on the catches. How about these passes from Zach Wilson? They are on the money. Perfect spiral.
1: Look at that. Rash assumption. Both Dax Milne and Gunnar Romney are going to be part of SportsCenter's
7: top ten plays based on performances this year. Rash assumption. Gunnar Romney <laughs> and Matt Bushman. Will lead the team in receiving, each with a <laughs> thousand. Two thousand yard receivers, book
1: it. Oh, that's book rash. it. <laughs> okay, next one. Uh, we have the words "Romney to Romney" written in front of us. So I'm guessing this is brother to brother. All we oh, show is deep balls and touchdowns. We're Baller. happy and we're singing. Baylor I love it. Romney <laughs> to Gunner Romney. Guess what, Jason? Maybe this isn't so rash. This will happen this season. Look, there will be
7: a Romney to Romney touchdown connection. Yes, I agree. Look, they've practiced this in their backyard since they were little. We will see more of this on the field this year. Now, how it happens, uh, I'm not going to say. I'm going to say BYU's offense is going to be
1: so good, they're just going to put a bunch of different quarterbacks on the field. They're going to score a lot of points. Jason,
2: that wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU-TV
6: and BYU-Radio.